Before this episode starts, I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the podcast feed of the Mason Talk Sports Show and wherever you may be listening, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, or wherever. Just make sure you leave a good rating, preferably five stars, and of course, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. And without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome in to the Mason Talks Sports Show. Today is Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. And today, quite frankly, there's not a lot to talk about. But we're going to talk about stuff anyway because this is a professional sports show. I am a professional at what I do. So we're going to talk about sports. We have some stuff to talk about. And the first thing that I want to get to is Nick Chubb. Now, Nick Chubb, as we all know, is one of the best running backs in the entire National Football League. And he's really the heart and soul of this Cleveland Browns offense, at least from a production standpoint. And the reason I wanted to talk about Nick Chubb today is because one thing that I've noticed in the national discourse of Nick Chubb is that a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on where they rank Chubb amongst NFL running backs. Some people don't have him in the top five at all. Other national pundits have him ranked as the best running back in the entire National Football League. And the reason why this was brought to my mind is because I saw a list on social media that somebody made and in their list they ranked Nick Chubb I believe it was third behind Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey uh, but above Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley that was their top five and I thought that was an interesting list of five running backs and that is what we're going to base this on Today, a couple of days ago, a couple of episodes ago, I ranked every quarterback in the National Football League until Baker Mayfield. I believe I had him ranked eighth among all quarterbacks in the National Football League. Not going to do that exact thing, exact same thing today. We're going to look through those five running backs, and I'm going to list them off, just those five, until we reach Nick Chubb. Now, let's start with number one. The top running back in the National Football League, in my opinion, is Derrick Henry. Now, I know that this might upset some Browns fans because I know Browns fans love Nick Chubb with all their heart, and I do too. He's the best offensive uh, uh, offensive weapon that we have on our team. But I think Derrick Henry is the best running back in the National Football League, and I think there are a couple of reasons why that is the case. Number one, just his sheer physical dominance. When you look at Derrick Henry, when you watch him play, he's just simply better than every other player on the opposing defense, and every defense struggles to slow Derrick Henry down. The dude put up, what, two over 2,000 yards rushing this past season? He is an absolute beast, an absolute, you know, animal. And then you also need to consider the fact that he's also pretty much the key cog to that Tennessee Titans team. And I know that Ryan Tannehill's good. I know that Ryan Tannehill absolutely deserves credit and all that. They have a good coaching staff and an average defense. But the reason why the Titans have been competitive the past few years, the reason why they went to the AFC Championship game 
two seasons ago. The reason why they went 11-5 and and made the playoffs again this season is because of nobody else but Derrick Henry. He is super valuable to their team. He's super talented. And right now, I think he's the best running back in the National Football League. Number two is Nick Chubb. So that's where I would rank him. I think Nick Chubb is number two. I think he's the second best running back in the NFL. And when you talk about guys like Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, or any other name, any other any other running back in the league, bring up their name, offer them in a trade for Nick Chubb, I would say no. The only running back I would consider trading Nick Chubb for is Derrick Henry. Anybody else would get a, a a big fat you know decline if they if they called my phone wanting to offer somebody up for Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is the second best running back in the National Football League. And I think that's a fair place to rank him because he's dominant. When he's on the field, his team is significantly better. He is pretty much the focal point of the Browns offense. Even in the passing game, a lot of their success is based off play action scenarios where Nick Chubb is the focal point um, of, of the play or at least of the beginning of the play. And of course, he puts up numbers. He puts up good numbers. I think his numbers are always a little bit hindered because he has dealt with injuries recently. But when Nick Chubb is on the field, the dude's the beast, and he 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 he's he's one of the best running backs in the entire league. I think he's the second best, number two, and that is a great spot to be. Now we're gonna go real quick through the rest, and I'll explain why I think Nick Chubb is better than them. Number three, I have Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is kind of in a similar situation to Nick Chubb in that he is with a good team. In the Minnesota Vikings, they have at least a decent quarterback in Kirk Cousins. But the reason why the Vikings win games is not because of their passing game. It's not because of anything else. It's because of Dalvin Cook. He is the focal point of that offense, similarly to Nick Chubb. But overall, I think Nick Chubb's a better running back. I think he's more talented, and I think he's he's more productive to his specific offense. So I would take Nick Chubb over Dalvin Cook. I think every team would. Number four, I have Christian McCaffrey. Now, this is an interesting discussion because if you could guarantee me 100% health for Christian McCaffrey, I think I would take him over Nick Chubb just because of the overall presence that he has on the field. I mean, Christian McCaffrey was dominant not only in the running game, but in the passing game as well. But that health is a question mark, as it is with every NFL running back. And last season... Christian McCaffrey missed basically the bulk of the year for the Panthers because of multiple injuries. And when you start racking up injuries like that, it's not good. In fact, it's very bad. And I think that that's something you need to consider when ranking running backs, because as soon as you have one major season ending injury, it it makes the rest of your career iffy to be to be quite frank so because of the injury issues Christian McCaffrey will be number four and that's the same reason why Saquon Barkley is number five I mean nobody's gonna deny that Saquon Barkley had more potential coming out of Penn State than Nick Chubb did coming out of Georgia you know Saquon Barkley there were questions about whether the Browns would consider taking him first overall in that draft which you know praise the Lord they didn't but, but but again, Saquon Barkley has dealt with injuries, and he missed pretty much all of last season with injury, and you don't know how those are going to rack up. You don't know if that's going to be something that continues throughout his career. It's definitely a big question mark on his career, and because of that, there is no way I would take Nick Chubb over, or no way I would take Saquon Barkley over Nick Chubb. 
So that's my ranking. That that those are my top five running backs in the National Football League. Saquon Barkley's fifth, Christian McCra- Christian McCaffrey fourth, Dalvin Cook third, Nick Chubb second, Derrick Henry first. Now, I, I I honestly don't think the ranking of Chubb versus Henry one and two matters that much because I think they're both really freaking good at running the football and they're both obviously vital pieces to playoff teams. So the Browns don't have to worry about it. <laughs> the, Bra- the Browns should be super happy with Nick Chubb and what he's done. And because of that, I think you've got to consider giving the dude a contract extension because he's just been so vital to this offense and the offense, the entire offense, not just the running game, suffers when he's not on the field. Nick Chubb is the second best running back in the National Football League and the Browns are going to have to pay him accordingly. All right, next thing I want to talk about, and this is one of those topics that uh, keeps me up at night, just in deep thought and contemplation, and it is three disaster scenarios that could occur for the Cleveland Browns and three solutions that that they could they, they could pull out of a hat to potentially save their season. Now, obviously, Nobody likes talking about disaster. Nobody likes talking about massive injuries. Nobody likes putting a damper on what could be one of the most highly anticipated seasons in Cleveland Browns history. But I have to do it because we need to know what are the Browns going to do if a wrench gets thrown into their plans in a serious way. So these are the three scenarios that we're going to talk about, starting with number one. What do the Cleveland Browns do if Baker Mayfield goes down with a season-ending injury? Now, first of all, if Baker goes down, you can basically shut the conversation of Super Bowls out the window. I mean, you can throw it right out the window. If Baker Mayfield goes down with injury, the Browns immediately become a non-Super Bowl contender. They're not going to be Super Bowl contenders anymore, but... That doesn't mean that they can't at least contend for a playoff spot, even if it's just a wild card spot. And if Baker Mayfield goes down, the person who would be stepping in to assume the quarterback role would be Case Keenum. And I think that Case Keenum is a player you can win with because Case Keenum is a very solid backup quarterback when he started with the Minnesota Vikings and his quarterback's coach was Kevin Stefanski. He obviously had the best season of his career. And I think that with the Kevin Stefanski offense and Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt's (coughs) flexibility overall with the offense, I think you could put Case Keenum in and I think you could build the offense around Case Keenum and build a unit that would be able to still consistently win games. Now, your offense would have to shift a little bit because as it currently sits, the Browns offense is a run first offense, but their play action their play action passing game is pretty significant as well. I mean, the Browns obviously want to run a lot because they have two Pro Bowl level running backs, but Baker Mayfield is still a weapon and he still is a guy who can burn opposing defenses rather consistently. If Baker goes down, the Browns offense is going to have to limit itself because Case Keenum is not going to be that dynamic offensive threat that Baker Mayfield was. 
So the Browns offense would have to shift to basically a run, a he- even an he- a heavier run focused offense. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are getting a lot of carries now. But I think if Baker went down and you had Case Keenum in, you would basically have to increase that significantly. You would have to be giving Nick Chubb the ball pretty much every snap. And then, you know, obviously you're still going to want to include the passing game because you have to. But if Baker Mayfield goes down, Case Keenum steps in, it's going to become a run-heavy offense, a significantly, you know, heavier focus on the run game. And I think that with your offensive line, with a solid backup quarterback in Case Keenum, and with two dynamic running backs in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think that you could still make the playoffs with that offense. So that is the first disaster scenario, and that is the first solution. The second disaster scenario is what would you do, what would the Cleveland Browns do if Miles Garrett were to, heaven forbid, go down with a season-ending injury? Now, this is a significantly uh, more perplexing conversation because if Baker Mayfield goes down, your offense still has a very good offensive line. You still have a lot of talent. You still have a capable backup in Case Keenum. I mean, if Baker goes down, your offense still has ways to survive. If Miles Garrett were to go down with injury, I think the odds of survival would be significantly, significantly lower because there just isn't that added level of talent. So this second uh, solution would be a little bit more iffy. Obviously, Jadavion Clowney would take over. um, Well, I guess Jadavion Clowney would kind of just stay in the spot that he's in. But then that second pass rusher spot would then by default have to go to one of your rotation players. And the likeliest would be Tack McKinley. And the Browns would basically have to hope that Jadavion Clowney and Tack McKinley could fill in the Miles Garrett void as best as they possibly could. Now, that is not an ideal scenario, but that's the scenario. That's what you could do. That's all you could do. You could put your best option up and hope and pray that it works. And if that was to happen, I don't think it's necessarily a 100% end-of-the-world scenario. I think Jadavion Clowney has enough talent, and I think Tack McKinley has enough talent, and they definitely both have high enough ceilings to potentially step in and put up a capable enough pass rush for the Cleveland Browns. But outside of just defensive ends, you would need the rest of your defense to step up as well. You would need significant help from your linebacker unit, from guys like Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. You would need your secondary to step up in a big way. I mean, you would need Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, you know, Troy Hill. You would need those guys to be locked down, locked down corners. Your secondary would need to be scary for opposing opposing defenses to or opposing offenses to go against. I mean. You always hear the term secondary sack when a quarterback gets sacked because the secondary is playing so well, their coverage is so great. You would need the Browns defense to be able to do that. I mean, if Miles Garrett were to go down with an injury, he the, the void that he would leave because of how significant he is to this defense would be gigantic. And the Browns would have to do basically just a lot of hard work to fill it in. I was going to say a lot of shuffling in terms of your players, but that wouldn't even make sense. That wouldn't even make any sense because there's not, I mean, the only shuffling of players you would do is you would put Tack McKinley in as a starter. You would just need guys to step up. 
And I think the Browns would be able to get that. I think you'd get that from guys like Denzel Ward. I think you'd get that from guys like John Johnson III. I think you'd get that from guys like Jadavion Clowney. And I hope that doesn't ever happen. But if it were to happen, that's the only scenario within which you could still survive. Now, third scenario, the third disaster scenario we're going to talk about in the final one. What happens if the Cleveland Browns suffer multiple injuries to their offensive line? Now, this has been an injury in the past, the recent past, even as recent as last year. The Browns dealt with injuries all across their offensive line. You had games where Wyatt Teller couldn't go. You had games where Jack Conklin couldn't play. You had games where other guys went out and then came back in. And the Browns offensive line handled it well, but I think the situation this year, I think the Browns would be better suited to handle it because I think you have better uh, overall depth. Now, Looking at the Browns' depth chart right now, which I have their depth chart open on the ESPN website, the Browns actually have a pretty deep offensive line. You obviously have the first five starters who are all very good players, but then you have, say, Chris Hubbard who could fill in and you know t- make a start as we've seen as a tackle or as a guard. You have guys like Blake Hance and Michael Dunn who both stepped up in big moments in the playoffs to fill in for the Cleveland Browns. You also have James Hudson who is a rookie offensive tackle who the Browns are hoping can be a depth piece. And then the one player who I think would be most interesting to see on the field is Drew Forbes, who the Browns drafted back in 2019, I believe it was. And the hope was, from the John Dorsey regime at that point, was that Drew Forbes would be able to eventually progress into a starter. Forbes didn't play last year. He opted out because of the coronavirus. But now that he's back, he would be a good depth piece. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this scenario is because this is the one that I'm least frightened about. If the Browns deal with offensive line injuries, they're going to be fine. You have the best offensive line coach in the league in Bill Callahan. You have a ton of depth. You have guys like Chris Hubbard who are flexible and who can play multiple positions. You have a lot of solutions that, quite frankly, wouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, if Drew Forbes has to make a start wouldn't be the end of the world. If Nick Harris had to make a start at center, wouldn't be the end of the world. Obviously, it's not ideal, but we're not talking about ideal right now. We're talking about disaster scenarios. And if that disaster scenario were to unfold, Browns would be fine. Credit to Andrew Barry. So those are the Browns disaster scenarios. Let me know in the comments which one do you think would be the worst scenario which one do you think would be the most detrimental to the Cleveland Browns an injury to Baker Mayfield an injury to Miles Garrett or multiple injuries to the Browns offensive line also let me know which one do you think the Browns would be most able to overcome now on to some uniform talk now generally speaking I don't like doing a ton of uniform talk because my show is 99 audio and just talking about uniforms without actually showing them doesn't make the most sense in the world, I guess. But we're going to talk about them today anyway because the Cleveland Browns announced on Twitter a little 
teaser picture for a uniform announcement that is set to come on July 24th. The Browns posted a picture of the building that has the Cavaliers poster that they they have across from the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And basically, it was a silhouette of a Browns player in a jersey that is presumed to be a new alternate jersey for the 2021 season. Now, the first thing that people dove on was the idea of orange jerseys because orange jerseys um, have probably been the most recognizable Browns alternate uniforms really in the history of their franchise because we really haven't dealt, we, we, we haven't really gone too far away from the traditional brown, white, and orange helmets. And orange jerseys are really the most kind of unique alternates that the Browns have ever had. So people dove on uh, the orange jerseys immediately. And to be quite frank with you, orange jerseys are the last thing that I think the Cleveland Browns need to bring to the 2021 season. I think orange jerseys are, are, are cursed in Cleveland Browns histories. I mean, think about it. Think about what, okay. And this, this was the first thing that came to mind for me. Name a player... The first player that comes to, to your mind when you think of the Cleveland Browns and orange jerseys, you have one second. Okay, was your player Johnny Manziel or was it Derek Anderson or Charlie Fry? I mean, those are the names we're throwing around. Those are the names associated with orange jerseys in the history of the Cleveland Browns franchise. The Browns don't wear orange jerseys because when they do, their team sucks. They bring, they bring the orange jerseys out when there's literally nothing else to be excited about. So I don't really want orange jerseys. I think they look dumb. I don't think they really look that great with the orange helmet. I think there's a little bit too much orange there. And just generally, I think it's associated with negativity in the history of, in the history of Cleveland sports. And I think it's kind of comparable to the Cleveland Indians uh, name change when people talk about the Cleveland Spiders. And listen, I have nothing against spiders. I'm not an arachnophobe or an arachnophobia. I'm not arachnophobist or anything. Um, But the Cleveland Spiders would be literally the worst name that you could pick for that franchise. And if you don't believe me, look into the history of the Cleveland Spiders. I mean, they were they were the worst team like in the history of baseball and that's the same thing that comes to mind when i think of orange jerseys when the browns wear orange jerseys usually it means something's going horrendously wrong so orange jerseys we need to get off the obsession of that what i want to see in the new cleveland browns uniforms to be revealed on the 24th of july is a throwback to 1946. I think that would make sense. I think it would be a good way to honor the past, a past which was very successful for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the Browns of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, those are the teams that you should be looking to mimic. Those are the teams that you should be looking to honor. And if the Browns want to come out with a 46 throwback, which would be white jerseys, um, brown decals with an orange shadow, and a white helmet, I think that would be great. I think that would be a great thing to bring to the 2022 Cleveland Browns. I think it would make sense. I think it would look good. 
And I think it would sell. I think it would sell with a city that traditionally is very proud of their history. And a city that is very proud, especially of the history of the Cleveland Browns. Stop obsessing about orange jerseys. We need to start obsessing about honoring the history of the Browns. And that's why they should have 1946 throwbacks as opposed to orange throwbacks. Now, the last thing I want to talk about today is a little bit of a little bit of basketball talk. Um, because the NBA draft is coming up, and it's really the only thing Cavaliers fans have to be excited about nowadays because once the team gets on the floor, they're poorly coached and things go bad. But in the offseason, we can at least be excited about the rookies we draft. Now, the one thing I want to briefly hit on, and then, then that'll be it, is one narrative that only certain fans and certain media members are trying to push, and that is the narrative that the Cavaliers should be considering Scotty Barnes from Florida State with the third pick in the draft. Now, listen, I don't hate Scotty Barnes. I, I, I view Scotty Barnes the same way that I view spiders as an insect. I don't hate him. I don't love him. I, I, I really don't have an opinion on Scotty Barnes. What I do hate is the idea of overcomplicating simple decisions. The Cavaliers have an incredibly simple decision to make with the third pick. We know that Cade Cunningham is going first to the Pistons. Whoever the Rockets take, whether it be Jalen Green or Evan Mobley, take the other player. I mean, this is one of the rare drafts where the top three all could end up being the best player of the draft. I mean, Evan Mobley could be the best player of this draft. Jalen Green could be the best player of this draft. Cade Cunningham could be the best player of this draft. Scotty Barnes is not going to be the best player of this draft. If the Cavs were picking sixth or seventh, fine. Take Scotty Barnes and, and, you know, hope that his potential is as high as people say it is. But you're not picking sixth. You're not picking fifth. You're not picking eighth. I mean, the Cavs have been through so much trauma the past few drafts. I mean, in in, in the Colin Sexton draft, you were like four picks away from having either Luka Doncic or Trey Young, who are going to be literally MVPs in the league. In the Darius Garland draft, there there were players, great players. I mean, if the lottery balls fell just a little bit differently, you could have had John Morant or Zion Williamson. That's traumatizing. That has been traumatizing me for, for years. Even this last draft, you were a few lottery ping pong balls away from LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards. Traumatizing. I mean... I am traumatized. I go into Quicken Loans Arena or the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. I sit in the stands. I watch the team and I'm traumatized. It makes me sad. This is super easy. Don't do something stupid to mess it up. Don't draft Scotty Barnes. Don't trade back. I don't care if you can get two top 10 picks. Two top 10 picks aren't as valuable as Jalen Green or Evan Mobley. Make the right pick. Make the simple pick. Make the smart pick. Don't do something stupid. Don't make a traditional Cleveland Cavaliers move. This has been the Mason Talks Sports Show. Let me know in the comments any thoughts that you have on any of these topics. Make sure to leave a good rating if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you leave a like. Make sure you subscribe. I will see you in my next episode. Goodbye.